someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Yep, that's how it happened. Two brothers, they come right to Jesus, and one says, hey, Jesus, tell, you, tell my brother to share. <laughs> We've never heard that before, have we, parents? We've never said that before, have we, humans, right? And Jesus just responds like, man, that's not my lane. That's not my lane. And then he lays this gauntlet down. Just, he just goes, boom, right here. Here's what he says. Luke chapter 12. He says this from Luke, yes, watch out, he says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, and I know what that brother was thinking, the one that had the courage to ask Jesus to tell his brother to share. He's like, no, 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 see, this is not about greed, this is just about sharing. This is about equal, this is about even Stephen is what this is, this, I know greed, this is not greed. I, I'm experiencing injustice here, and I know that's what the brother's thinking because I think that all the time. Oh no, no, yes, Jesus, I agree, greed, really, really bad. No one should have greed, I pity the greedy ones, right? And then I wanna say, but the things going on in me, that's really not greed, that's about other things. Really, really rational, easy to explain, and Jesus, if I had time, I would explain them to you and go, oh, you're right, that's not greed. You ever have that kind of conversation? Yeah? Where we see greed in others, but we wanna rationalize it and make perfect sense of it in ourselves, but Jesus says all kinds of greed, right? Because when we talk about this, it's not like just financial, it's like, it's, it's our whole lives. It's all that we've been given and entrusted with. And, and what does that look like in you and me, maybe in different ways than we might think? So for me, as I think about it, I go, oh, I'm pretty greedy with my time, actually. Um, started a consulting company about three years ago, and I am billable by the hour. So when someone asks for my time, what do I think about I think about money, I think of billability, I think about, is this a paying thing? Are you wanting my time right? And if I'm not careful, it just kind of goes and I get really tight and wound up in here. Here's another way that I'm greedy, food. 
Here's the backstory. Here's the backstory in food. Um, when I was growing up, when I was very little, my mom read a book about sugar and how it was bad. So we no longer could eat candy bars, but then it didn't stop there. All of a sudden, not only was sugar and candy bad, sugar in like other foods was bad, like bread. So we couldn't even have store-bought bread. And the next thing you know, she starts to make bread. And then she realized that actually processed flour is not good. So she began to grind her own wheat all the way down to having bird seeds for breakfast. Did I mention that I grew up in Southern California? <laughs> right? And so what got coded me in that moment is if I want sweet stuff, I got to go get it, secure it, and, and like hoard it. And so I was the biggest mooch. I would call my little grade school friends to ask if they wanted to play around 5.15 in the evening. Why? <laughs> because I was looking for any other dinner on any other dinner table than my own, right? <laughs> and this shows itself exceptionally so in the area of a few kind of food things like cake. I got a thing about cake. And um, I asked my daughters, I, I sent a question out on our family text thread. They never text except for with, with family. They do other things like Snap and whatever. But this is the only time that they text back. And I just want to read to you. You can, you can see it up here. Here's what I ask. Hey, girls, can you think of a time that I've been stingy with a birthday cake working on a sermon? Stingy? Yes, as in hoarding, taking more than my share, not sharing with others, sneaking bites when no one was looking so I wouldn't have to share, etc. Oh, says one of my daughters, I can't just think of one time. <laughs> so basically every time we have cake, she says. <laughs> now there's a term for me. There is a technical term for me. It is called cake eater. Cake eater. You can look it up. It's in the definition. Don't look up all the definitions, but just look at this one. A cake eater is a well-off person who indulges himself or herself. That's a cake eater. And you and I might instantly want to just maybe exclude ourselves going, well, I'm not well-off. I'm not well-off. Yes, you are. By and large, if you drove here, you are exorbitantly rich by the world standards. If you have a house with a roof, exorbitantly rich. If you bring home combined household income of $75,000, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealth. Perspective, right? Perspective. Okay, I guess maybe I've got some issues when Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I go, I guess I have some cake eater issues and I, and I wanna work that out. In fact, I wanna, I wanna practice. I wanna practice right here and now because people I have cake. I have cake here today, and I want to share this cake. Now, how am I going to share the cake? Well, first of all, we don't just have cake in this room. See, we want to be thoughtful of all the different people experiencing this. So um, how about the this, this South Sanctuary? We need to get cake to the South Sanctuary. Would somebody want to give, uh, take cake over just to the South Sanctuary? Anybody want to just be a runner? Yep, come on. I see you. I see you, little hand, little awesome hand. Come on down. Yep, go that way. That's good. Let's give it up for our very generous, right? That's beautiful. What's your name, sweetheart? Harley, you are awesome. Okay, so go share that with the sex sanctuary. You're gonna make like hundreds of friends. It's carrot cake, which is why I gave it away, right? Okay, and then um, Speedway. Anybody wanna just jump over to Speedway and bring, no, I'm just kidding, they got their own. But um, you know, we're doing this with 
hundreds of churches all over the world. So like Hong Kong, who wants just to hop on a plane and go to Hong Kong? Yeah, anybody? Okay, I know, that'd be great, Jim. But no, like, or online, don't know how to do that yet. The technologies with holograms and all sorts, that's coming. But I'm sure you have something in your pantry or in your fridge. So grab, grab your own cake. Okay, now we have cake here that we want to share. How are we going to do this? Birthday. Who today, what's today, March the 5th? Who is celebrating a birthday right here? Yes, yes, yes. Somebody has been outed. Come on up, sir. Come on up. Gonna light your candle for you. This is amazing. Yes. And what is your name, good sir? Justin. Justin, may I ask, may I ask, like, what does today represent? Older, all right, that's good, man. I'm not gonna pry it out of you, but um, okay, so uh, let's, let's sing to Justin, ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Justin, happy birthday to you. Yeah, yeah, Oh, wait, 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 no, man, COVID, COVID, post-COVID area, you can't, you can't blow on the candle, we'll just take care of that, that's gross, <laughs> all right, yeah, man, gotta be couth about these things, okay, so Justin, come on in, and uh, we have a microphone for you just to kind of like lean into, right, because now the question is, how are we going to share this cake, right, how are we going to do this, we, we need one for you, right, we should start with you, now, how much do we want to give you i mean it's your cake right so you have to decide though i get to decide okay well man i just think we got to go big or we go home for you right so don't you agree with that okay you do you you agree with that okay very good all right so there you go man and you let me get that fork in there let's give it up for justin (laughs) and there all right this is good Thanks. You don't have to eat in front of like thousands of it's okay. You can you can sit down there. We just want to say thank you for ratting out Justin and happy birthday. Now, we have more cake. Now, how are we going to do this? Upon what kind of I don't know, metrics are we going to base the di- we can't feed everybody. I mean, it could be the fish and loaves moment, but okay, so let's do this. Who thinks they were the first person to church in this room? This morning, you were the first. Okay, come on up, balcony. Come on up. I'm slicing you. Man, early riser. Man, you know, no sleep for the weary. So come on up. Now, let's, um, let's ask uh, who, let's talk church attendance. All right, who has been to church? Let's just go three weeks in a row. This is your third week in a row. Hands up. Okay, way to go, guys. Now, keep, keep your hands up if it was, okay, Eric. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh, you want, okay, I don't have a fork. I don't, I don't have a fork. Oh, yeah, not your birthday. But um, there's a fork down there. You can have a fork. That's great. Let's give it up for Eric. All right. Okay, I saw a lot of hands on the, the attendance. So let's go five. You've gone five weeks in a row. Way to go. I love our students. Okay, six. Oh, man, this is awesome. Let's go seven. Seven weeks. Do you have any other hobbies? Any other interest? I'm just kidding. All right, come on, come on up. You right there, purplish shirt. Let's give you, this is incredible. You kind of win the most spiritual award, I think is what I want to give you right there. And you get 
and this is just looks so good, right? And and there's there's a fork waiting for you. What's your name? Elodie. Elodie, way to go. I think I know you, right? I do. Way to go, Elodie. All right. Um, who hasn't cussed in the last week? <laughs> yes, I, a hand immediately went up. It was like involuntary. It's like right. No, I said has not cussed. Okay, come on up, let's go, you get cake. This is amazing, right? This is amazing. Let's give it up for our non-cusser, right? This is amazing. There you go. Good. We'll give you two napkins. Congratulations. And what's your, oh, what are you looking for? Forks right down there, right? Gosh, she wants more cake. Do you see your eyes? She'd go like, my, my piece was a little, it was kind of crazy. Okay, how else? How else will we do this? Well, so when you, when you share, when you give, um, there should be a sense of compassion to it, right? That's like good charity. That's good uh, philanthropic is like, okay, who really needs cake? And let's find the person of need. So uh, anyone from Philadelphia? <laughs> anyone? Anyone? You, in the surrounding area of Philadelphia, we just think you need cake because Jesus loves losers too. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Loud and proud. All right. Who's wearing green? Who's wearing, I see green, green with pink. You're hiding that you're a secret Eagles fan. So come on up, come on up and get your, your cake. Now it's not gonna be much cake because I mean, you didn't really deserve it as an Eagles fan. So we're just gonna give you more of a sliver um, and uh, we'll just let you work your way. Let's just give our Eagles fan uh, a quick round of applause, right? And... Um, yeah, so better luck next time to you. Or just don't wear green. See what happens when you wear, you know, opposing colors. All right, so is this how it works, by the way? Upon uh, some form of meritocracy, like did you earn it, right? Is it something that you, um, you worked your way towards in order to have the cake? Like how does this actually work, and in part, this is why Jesus tells the story that he told about, essentially, in his little era, this guy would have been the town mayor of Cake Eaterville. Like, he was a cake eater to the extreme. And I'll let you just kind of look at the story, but here's how it rolls. Like, Jesus, in the midst of this dispute between two brothers, the great storyteller launches a story about a rich man who already was rich, but he has a bumper crop. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. What am I going to do? I, I actually can't. I don't even know where to store this. I don't even have enough to, to put this in, and reinvest this, so I know what I'll do. I'll tear down the old barns. I'll build bigger barns, and then I'll be happy. Oh, man, it'll be great because then I'll be able to sit back and I'll tell myself, like, look, now you're set. Now you've arrived. This is amazing. And Jesus is like, you fool, don't you know? Like, that is an endless pursuit of despair. Don't you know that? And he says, actually, th this very night, your life will be demanded of you, as he says in the story. And what will you have for what you've stored up for yourself? He goes, you got to be rich towards God. Is, it, is where the story ends. And we look and listen and take in the story from the great storyteller and we go, hmm, all right. Well, how does that apply to me? 
I have four things for you, all under the umbrella title of, you might be a cake eater if. You might be a cake eater if. Number one, you think you made the cake. You think you made the cake. That's what this guy thought, and Jesus is really choice in his language, right? It actually says that the ground of the rich man, look at this, the ground of a certain rich man produced the crop. It wasn't the rich man, and by, by the way, in that day and age, he wouldn't have gotten out there to do it. He had people to do it for him. So he's really far away from having actual impact into this ground producing some sort of springing up of whatever the bumper crop might be. He couldn't control the rain. He couldn't control all the microorganisms. The, in one square inch of good soil, there's over a billion microorganisms. Did he have anything to do with that? Don't think so. Don't think so. And yet, Jesus, from the very get-go, is going... I think we have an ownership problem. I think this man thinks he made the cake. Listen to his language. Listen to how he thinks uh, about it. It's all possessive. He talks about my crops, my barns, my grain, and my goods, right? And how often are we like that ourselves? I studied really hard. I got it done. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Nobody gave me anything. It was all me. I earned it. So I get to decide what to do with it creeps in. It creeps in. We have an ownership issue. We think we made the cake and therefore we get to either eat it all or, or share it or doil it out in little kind of bit, bitty bites. When in reality, no matter how hard you've worked, and I'm sure many of us have, did you get to decide who you were born to? Did you get to decide the inheritance that was given to, to you perhaps? Did you get to decide what era you were born into? with all of its technological advances. What part of the world, namely America, Johnson County for many of us, did we, did we have any control over that? No, when you make a cake, yeah, maybe you stock the pantry, but you didn't get the chicken to produce the egg, right? So Paul says in Acts, he goes, look, it's God that determined and set for us the times, the exact places where we should live. At the end of the day, God owns these things and he puts them in our hands. And when we forget that, by the way, when we think it's ours, whatever ours is, whether it's your time, whether it's your stuff, whether it's your bank account, whether it's your investments, whatever those, when you think it, whether it's your company, when you get lost in the fallacy of thinking that, oh, it is a down, slippery slope slide to despair, I guarantee it. There is no joy in that. When you think you made the cake, guess what happens next? You worry about the cake. You worry about it a lot. Because something has taken kind of clutch in your heart. You're just, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And you hear it in the sky. You hear it as he starts talking to himself. He has a bumper crop, and now he's got actually a problem. You don't hear him saying, oh, this is awesome. Thank you, God. He's like, oh, I always hear it in uh, Mr. Bill, if you, if you just want to date myself here. It's like, oh, no, what shall I do, right? And he's like, he's got this problem. I have this problem, and I, and I don't know what to do about it, the complexity of, of it all. You begin to worry about the things that you have. It's like, oh, gosh, we got to de-winterize the lake. Oh, I hate it. 
Oh man, that, that, that third car, it's just like I gotta take it to the mechanic again. Oh man, I got a plumbing issue with your running water. See, it's a per- perspective shift. I um, uh, bought a new car recently. I wanna tell you it's because we have three teenage drivers and needed a third car. Um, I also wanna tell you we landed on the car that we bought because of supply issues. We couldn't get more affordable, reasonable cars, so we bought the one that I actually have always wanted. (laughs) And and if I'm truly just honest with myself, uh, I end up kinda grumpy driving the car because there's just little things that I think shouldn't happen with a nicer car. Like the, the Wi-Fi bounces from car phone to my AirPods in my pocket. I'll be on, on a call with, with a client and, um, and then all of a sudden they can't hear me because they're, I'm talking from my pocket. It's just, you know, or there's a, a, there's a door handle that has a plastic covering. I didn't think a car like this, it's not a Lamborghini by the way. I'm just not gonna tell you what it is because I'm complaining about it and I don't wanna get sued or whatever, right? But, um, but the plastic cover just comes off and I'm like, how does that come off? Why is there plastic on my car? And I drive around quite often being frustrated with something that I thought would make me so happy. Anyone? Anyone? These are what we call, what this man is experiencing, first world problems. When you think you made the cake, then you think you're entitled to the cake you made and own. And then you end up worrying about it a lot. And it begins to consume you and constrict you in here. And then when that happens, like no one wants to be around you. You're not a fun person to be around. And you end up eating the cake alone. And that's the most glaring kind of unspoken thing in this beautiful story that Jesus tells is that this man has no one to process this, this, you know, amazing moment in his life, this liquid event in his life. He has nobody to sit around. Now, in that culture, you would go to the city gates. You would call upon the elders. You would have people in your home. All of that is absent. It is just this man talking to himself. Look, look here with me. Then he said, right? He's talking to himself. This is what I'll do. He thought to himself, what shall I do? And he says to himself, you have plenty, right? Then, then Jesus goes on to even like reinforce the point. Then who will get what you have prepared, all these barns, all this grain, all this overflow for yourself? In other words, there's no one around. It always conjures up this image for me in one of the earlier Batman movies with Michael Keaton. He is sitting as Bruce Wayne in his mansion. He's in the dining hall. There is a long, long banquet table. There's, there's uh, Michael Keaton as Batman or Bruce Wayne sitting at the end of it. It's dark. There's chandeliers and there's chair, 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 chair. And he's all by himself. And the salt is like in the middle of, of the table. And he has no one to pass it to him but his butler. And that's what's happening in this man and this story. In fact, the Old Testament even speaks to this. In Isaiah chapter 5, here's what the prophet says. Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. In other words, you just keep gobbling up territory and territory and territory and you own it all. That means you have no neighbors. 
And I think we do the same thing. You're going to move? What do you do? How many of us just hire a moving company? You need a tool? Just soon buy it versus borrow it. Right? Even where technology is going, we talked about this before, that uh, technology is trying to create a frictionless society. Where's the friction? The friction is generally like transactions that involve people. Just soon go to uh, Amazon versus go to the store. Just soon go to the, uh, the self-checkout versus have to interface with another human. This is where we're going. And so from a place of um, the pursuit of more, right? From the place of how do I actually live in community with others, guess what it's gonna require? Some measure of healthy dependency because we were made to be with one another. This man thought, if I just have security of possession, stuff, land, and riches, then everything will feel right. And he ends up talking to himself because he has no one else around. And so how do you and I, Benjamin Franklin has this great um, kind of suggestion that he once said, he goes, when you move to a new area of town or wherever it is, the first thing you should do is walk over to your neighbor and ask for an egg. Why? Because you engender a sense of, I'm a person who has needs and I'm a person who meets needs. I'm a person who's not so proud that I can actually ask for something while also engendering a trust that I will provide something when you ask to. It breaks down a very simple wall. These walls need to be broken in us, in our highly affluent, highly individualistic state. Well, so if you think you own the cake, and then you're gonna worry about the cake, and then you find yourself pushing everyone away so you can enjoy the cake, that just pretty much leaves you with your cake. Have you ever tried eating a cake all by yourself? At some point, you hit the law of diminishing returns, right? At some point, you go, oh, I wish I had shared that. And that was this man's revelation. You might be a cake eater if you ultimately can't enjoy the cake that you have. See, this man was rich. Jesus says, the, the ground of a certain rich man, he was already rich. And he's sitting there going, I'm going to tear down my barns. Barns, plural, wasn't like one little shack. He had an enterprise that he was running and somehow it wasn't enough. So he bought himself into the lives saying, okay, what's next? Got it, now what now? Okay, what's next? Okay, got it, now what now? Okay, what's next? I got it, what now? And if you live this life of what's next, what's now, what's next, what's now, you'll end up at the end of your life with so what? So what? And you see that. In this man, do we see it? Do we see it in ourselves? You might be a cake eater if you actually can't enjoy the cake. Now, I just want to say, uh, for our business leaders, business owners, you're like, well, well, hey, hold on. Is growth bad? No. Is scaling bad? Absolutely not. No, no. Like God has gifted many of you to grow things, build things, buy things, sell things, do all that. Like do that, but it always comes back to the heart, doesn't it? comes back to Jim Collins, who says, if we just get caught up in what he describes as the undisciplined pursuit of more, that more is going to lead us ultimately, my words, 
despair. And to get to that place, Jesus, in the story, you guys, this is, so, this is so fascinating. In this story, Jesus does this little ninja move with words, a little play on words. He combines, look at this with me. He says this in his story. A man says to himself, I'll have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink. He's talking to himself, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. The word be merry and fool share the same root. It's frone, from which we get like midriff or diaphragm, from which we breathe in and breathe out. Be merry is this, you, is, the Greek is euphreno, which is you, you inhale. <gasps> and then the word for fool is afrano. And it means that something's wrong in your diaphragm that you can't exhale. And so Jesus, with his little play on words, is actually giving this picture of a man who can inhale, 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 but never exhale. What's that called? Hyperventilation. <gasps> right? That is a desperate picture, is it not? And who wants to live that way when you say, oh, I made the cake, I must own the cake, right? Oh gosh, I got so many worries about, about my cake. How come no one's here to share the cake with me? I don't understand this, you fool, you fool. You can't even enjoy what you have. And then Jesus uses business terms to land the plane. He says, all right, very lovingly, he says, you fool. He brings, brings some heat, right, in this moment. He goes, this very night, in the story, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That word demanded is like a loaner who calls in on the note. It's a transactional term. What is the ROI of my investment? In essence, God is saying, I've given you a gift. I have invested in you with your time, with your stuff, with your talent, with all these kind, kinds of things. And you've just been storing it up for yourself. And now I'm calling in to say, where's the goodness? Where's the joy in you, for you, and through you? And there's no breath. There's nothing left in the account. It's all been spent. See, I don't think, I don't think that this man in Jesus' story said, well, like, Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm building an enterprise and I'm just gonna build more and more and more. I'm gonna be really sad and I'm gonna push everybody away. I don't think he said that too. I don't think that's where he started. I think at some point he just bought into the lie of the next, the lie of the more. And it just became insatiable and just, until it just drove him to the ground. And I think that's true for you and I. None of us, we, we sit here and we go, oh, I know, that's right, that's right. It's not my cake. Right, And I want to enjoy it, so I don't want to worry about it, so I, I want to share it. Not, like, we know all that, and yet don't we get caught up? How do you get caught up in the lie of just the next, just the more in the rationalization? No, this is not greed. That's greed. No, what this, let me just tell you what this is. Yeah? Well, something that's been really helpful for a paradigm shift for me um, is a video that changes how I think about cake. Let's watch. What may look like a house to you is something much more magnificent. 
to the boy inside. What did you think when you saw this place for the first time? We said it's second heaven. Second heaven? Yes. You pass through this before you go to the big heaven. That is what I believe so. He means that literally. And why wouldn't he? Abraham and his brother James are from Sierra Leone. They were homeless before finding their way to an orphanage and eventually to their new family outside Charlotte, North Carolina. Joe and Jamie Walker adopted them last fall, and they say the boys have been wide-eyed with wonder ever since. It's fun. Every little thing that we take for granted, coming home from the airport and I hit the button to open our front gate, Dad! Everything is magic to them. It's magic. Whether it's a present just showing up on Christmas morning or something mundane, like a car wash. The kids are constantly blown away. But the biggest surprise, the most profound reaction happened last month on Abraham's 12th birthday. You had birthdays before you came here. How did you celebrate them? That would be a crazy question. Why is that a crazy question? I never celebrate them. I never knew it was my birthday. Happy birthday. So when the song started and his mom appeared with that glowing tribute, Abraham was overwhelmed. When I see the cake, I thought that is the most beautifulest thing I've ever seen. The birthday cake. It's not just a birthday cake. It's a blessing cake. A blessing cake. And what a blessing it is. <laughs> that once a year, friends and family gather just to honor our existence. Most of us take that for granted, but not in this house, not anymore. Just being reminded that we need to stop and be super grateful for what we do have. A good wish for America from this American dream come true. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Charlotte. Hmm. Yeah. How sweet is that? It's not just a birthday cake. And then he kind of closes his eyes. It's a blessing cake. See, that's a young man who knows he didn't make the cake, so he doesn't have to worry about the cake. He can enjoy the cake. He can share the cake. And that's the opportunity for you, for you and I. Jesus doesn't tell this story because he wants folks to feel bad. He wants something for us, not from us. He knows what greed does in our hearts. And he wants us to be free. He wants to release us from all the things that we're just so hyperventilating about and around. He wants you to have a blessing cake. He wants you to know all these things. This is a blessing cake. The car is a blessing car. The home, with all of its quirks, it's a blessing home, meant to be enjoyed and shared. Your gifts, your talents, they're blessing talents and gifts that God's placed in your hands. And he wants you to experience the joy of giving that the way. Your, your calendar is a blessing calendar to the breath that we're given as a gift every day. It's a blessing breath meant to inhale and to exhale.
what for you is rising up in you? You go, yeah, I'm holding on to it too tightly. I'm worrying about it. It has power over me. I'm pushing others away. And this gift I can't even enjoy. What is that for you? What's the blessing that God has given you that he wants you to share? Because then you'll really love it. And so Holy Spirit, we pray just in this moment, would you rise up as you are for me? Would you rise up revelation, pictures, something specific And you would just give us a spirit of release that would cause us to, to close our eyes and smile and say, ha, this isn't my cake. This is a blessing cake from you, God. Would you rise something up? Bring us the truth of how we've been holding on too tightly, breathing in and not breathing out, and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are able, would you stand as we continue in worship?